Hello and welcome to the For the Win podcast. I'm Ted Berg, joined on the line today, like most Fridays, by producer Hemel Javeri. Hemel, how are you? Ted, 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 I'm good. How are you? I am doing well. I have few complaints. It's nice outside. Um, uh, yeah, I have more than a few complaints, but that's but that's like par for the course for me. So yeah, I mean, I always have. There's complaints everywhere. I've got complaints. I just I have few that I feel like important <laughs> enough to share. Uh, so we have questions. We should go to the questions. All right, let's do our traditional Friday thing and go to the questions. Yes. Uh, um. I, okay. Well, let's let's start with one from your sister. Okay. Because she asked us a question. Um, and she she not so nicely uh, admonished me as I left the house and said, you better answer my question. Oh, good. So we're, we're getting yeah. that done. It was a good question, so I wanted to get it done one way or the other. But it okay. is your sister, ideally one of our listeners. And so we should we should a- answer whether or not – well, she wants to know what are the chances the Mets bring Bartolo Colon back. Bartolo Colon was cut by the Braves yesterday, or, or designated for assignment, which means they now have 10 days basically to trade him or release him. And mm-hmm. Mets fans especially seem, or many Mets fans, seem excited by the prospect of bringing back Bartolo Colon. Do you think it's going to happen? I don't, because honestly, like, and, and there's a case... So a lot of people are saying, oh, maybe this is the end of the road for him because he was so mm-hmm. bad this year and because he is 44 years old. But mm-hmm. I think if you look at his stats, he was uh, he was bad, but he was also very unlucky. And because he's mm-hmm. been so durable and so effective over the past few years and because so many teams need starting pitchers, I feel like someone will want him. And I kind of feel like it will be someone like the – I feel like the Mets, the way the Mets are, if the Mets were operated commensurate with their market, then the Mets would say, like, okay, well, we'll take on the rest of his salary just to have him, and we'll try it out. But the Mets right. the Mets would more likely want the Braves to eat part of his salary and have to give up a prospect to get him, and giving up any sort of important young player or unimportant young player for this season, when the Mets already look like they're out of it, seems like a bad move. Whereas I could see a team, uh, the Angels, the Twins, uh, there are a bunch of, a bunch of teams I, I saw yesterday that are... They're still kind of in the race, but do have needs in the back of their starting rotation. And those would be the teams I would expect to be a little bit more aggressive in getting him. Uh, Would it be impossible for him to come back to the Mets? No, not at all, because the Mets need starting pitching. They need someone just to eat up some of the innings that can't go to their injured young starters. So it makes some sense for them, but I think it makes more sense for some other teams. Do you think how how expensive is Bartolo? Um, so he's getting tw- he got a twelve and a half million dollar contract this year. Uh, oh, and the year's so about expensive. half o- the year's about half over. So it's going to cost a team six point two five million dollars for the rest of the season. Or like I said, you get the Braves to eat some of that contract, and you know probably to do that you you give up some sort of minor prospect. I I mean the fact that like. Bartolo is a solid starting starting pitcher, right? Yes, he was cut by the Braves, but the fact that he's 44 years old um, and he's still making 12 million, I'm just thinking about that in terms of like hockey salary, and it's it's mind blowing to me. Yeah, I mean, because he's at you know probably the bottom level of, uh, I mean, not the bottom level, but like he's mid level baseball player and he's still making 12 million, which is the high end for hockey guys. It's it's a good. I mean, if you want to make money. It's yeah. the best sport to play. It's not the best, uh, and and 
It's not the best sport to play if you want to make immediate money because you're going to have to go to right. the minor leagues and make no money for a while. And that's well, that's every sport. Uh, not like not like baseball, right? Because I well, think I re- the majority of guys, if you're in the NBA, if you're drafted in the NBA draft, there's only two rounds, mm-hmm. so right. m- the majority of the NBA draft players someday play in the NBA. Whereas the majority of guys drafted into baseball do not play. Uh, in MLB, and I don't know what the what that is in hockey, what that rate is, but I imagine a much higher percentage of guys who get drafted do eventually play in the league. Um, I, I I don't know what it is, but you wouldn't. Well, it's it's not so much about the draft, right? It is that there's lots of different minor leagues for hockey players as well, so they yeah. might never get drafted. Um, but um, uh, yeah, but as uh, as we know, or as I know, uh, the hockey player, the two biggest hockey minor leagues. Uh, the IHL and the AHPL, I think. Uh, is that um, right? No, the AHL and the, the Canadian a- Hockey League. The AHL and okay, yeah, um, they AHL have, and CHL. They have unions, so those guys make like fifty-five right. to a hundred grand a year. Uh, so it's, but yeah, baseball is. If you make the majors, baseball is the best way to make money because you get guaranteed contracts and you get a ton of money. It, I mean, just to put it in perspective, um, I think Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves made like $7 million in 2016, which are like top level players. Sidney Crosby made like $11 million. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And they're like the best, absolute right. best players. And Bartolo Cologne is 44 years old. He's 44 like, years old. He's just a guy. Yeah. He's a fun guy, but he's just a guy and he's getting $12.5 million. $12 million. Uh, anyway. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's pretty dope to be Bartolo. I think everyone knows <laughs> yeah. that. Uh, so yeah, so I would say, I would say unlikely possible, but unlikely he winds up back with the Mets. Uh, next question comes from, uh, at Nate Gizmot. This just came in from Nate. He wants to know, uh, what is the deal with tapered pants having returned to men's fashion? (laughs) I will not wear those pants. They are unflattering. I hear him. I hear him. (laughs) I think tapered pants look so good. And I, I don't trust your fashion mm, advice on anything. You've never seen me in tapered pants, though. That's the you, thing. You it know wouldn't what? look good. I, I think you do have to have the, the uh, appropriate body type to be able to carry them off, um, like kind of the tapered joggers that you see these days. But I, I know you. I know you and your affinity for cargo shorts and things with pockets. So I'm not at all surprised. Well, I don't wear pants cargo pants. I don't, I don't wear cargo pants. Let's not. I don't. I don't push it that far. Right, oh, it's okay, just, sorry. Um, I, but you're I, also a guy who would wear his pajamas to the airport, so... I 100% wear... I mean, I don't have pajamas. I wear t-shirts and gym shorts, uh, mm-hmm. which is what I'm wearing right now. It's like my summer uniform. But, uh, yeah, that's what I wear to the airport. I would say, and I will say this, so I do happen to own... Uh, first of all, I remember a time when, in like the late <laughs> 1990s, when I was aware of the term tapered jeans only because of how loserish they were, right? It was like, that was, like, you know tapered jeans because tapered jeans are uncool. And if you said, like, that guy's wearing tapered jeans, that meant, like, that guy is uncool. And now it's the opposite, right? Now if you're wearing tapered jeans, it means you're cool. And obviously all these things are just kind of cyclical. So my thing is always just, like, I'm just going to keep wearing the clothes I'm comfortable with, and at some point they're going to come back in style. Worked out for my dad. My dad wore plaid his whole life. He went through, like, this whole stretch of plaid being not cool, and then plaid becomes cool again all of my all of a sudden my dad's like this hippest 63 year old dude uh, in his grandson's kindergarten class i mean you you're definitely going to be the guy that 
hasn't updated his wardrobe in like the last twenty years. Right? I am already the guy who yeah. hasn't updated his wardrobe in the last. <laughs> and you year. just and what you're what you're really going for is that you're gonna take the pictures now, and then when you look when your kids look back on them, they're gonna be like, "Oh, dad was cool once," because that will eventually have like come back in style, right? Um, you, by the way, are, and that's exactly my dad's philosophy. It's that he's worn the same cut of pants in tailored shirt for his entire life. And he's now at the point where, like, when you look back at all the photos, he just looks, like, super cool. At some point, um, you just, at some I think point, that's you stop caring. Tail, yeah. Well, I think that's a long tail fashion strategy. Um, I, for one thing, tapered jeans are cool. And the big, you know, baggy pants have gone out of style. The boot cut stuff has gone out of style. And tapered jeans look good on guys. So I own two pairs of jeans that are, like, mildly tapered. They're still, they're not tight-fitting. I'm not, I, I have giant legs and just I'm not the right person for tight-fitting jeans. Right. I look ridiculous. Right. Um, I look like a track cycler who's, like, jammed himself <laughs> into the smallest pants possible. Uh, but I do have, I have two pants that feature a slight taper and they're not the worst like if I'm in pretty good shape I can pull them off and what I find about them that I love is that they have like a little bit of stretchiness to them which I guess is a common thing for women's jeans but is not a thing for any jeans I've owned and it makes them super comfortable I the thing is that with tapered pants as with all fashion things you have to find what's right for your body so maybe tapered jeans aren't like the perfect but i would i would always advocate like having something that fits nicely um i think more men's jeans do now have a little bit of stretch in them too yeah it's great like it's it's amazing when you're like getting and the the time i always notice it is getting on a bike whereas like you know when you're throwing your leg over the bike then like Mm -hmm. in regular jeans they kind of get uncomfortable but with like the stretchy jeans you're like oh hell yeah i could do this Mm -hmm. and it's super (laughs) nice so yeah so that's my that's my shtick on that that's your shtick on tapered jeans. So the the final question is that, yeah, there's nothing wrong with tapered jeans. I think they're cool. Uh, I, I hear where Nate is coming from. I will say look into slightly baggier ones that are stretchy because they do happen to be comfortable. I, I, I will ask Nate that if he wants, I will happily give him advice on what jeans are best for his body type. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I kind of like – like, I feel like there's a lot of industries that like straddle the line between being like – a professional and just professionally judging people. Right. (laughs) And so like, like, cause like if you go into like a a personal trainer, a lot of the trainers will be like, well, you've, you're fat here. You look terrible here. You're weak here. Right. And you're like, Oh, this guy knows what he's talking about. But you're also like, well, this guy's kind of a jerk, you know? And and that's what, well, you paid him to tell you. Yeah. Well, that's true. But I, and like, that's what being a personal stylist is like too. Right. You're like, ah, you got problem areas all over the board. Let's just put you in a moo moo. Call it a day. So, so I have a friend who uh, is in a band and their record label had them meet with like stylists and she went around and was, you know, was critiquing what, not just what they were wearing, but she like, you know, held like the extra weight on one of the guys like in the, around his midsection. And she was like, well, we need something to cover up your middle weight. Oh like, yeah, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, that sucks. Like, and like, like in a conference room. Like, also that's not... like the, I'm sorry. That's like the least rock and roll thing of all time. Right. <laughs> Just like, let it, yeah. like, let it hang out. I, 
One time I, I was when I was when I lived in in the suburbs I I was like just so bored and I started looking for bands to join in on Craigslist and like I found like one ad that seemed kind of promising they were looking for a bassist it sell mm-hmm. like I listened to some of their stuff it wasn't exactly what I loved but like it was like I could clearly play this and like it's not so far off that I wouldn't have fun like I just wanted to, I had been in a band for a while I wasn't in a band I wanted to be in a band so I emailed these people and they were like hey, Great. Uh, please send us a photo of yourself playing your instrument so we can see if you fit with our look. And oh I was my like, God. That, no, there is no, like, I'm just not going to respond to this email because you don't, that is not a band I want to join. No, that, that's not a band you want to join. Um, this is, um, this is a group of, uh, death metal rock stars. Yeah, I was going to say they're like death yeah. metal guys. Tell those guys to get yeah. out of the room with the stylist. Just wear black t-shirts. Everybody you're a death metal guy, you wear a black t-shirt of a different death metal band. That's what you wear. I, I think, yeah, I think this is the last time that they, you know, the record label, they ended up changing record labels and I think the stylist was probably like one of the last straws of like, nope, we don't need to do that. Yeah, but, it's not, yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not rock and roll. That's, that's something I'll yeah. say. Um, that's true. At Mike Janella. At Mike Janella of the internet, uh, there so there are actually there are two Mike Janellas phonetically on the internet mm-hmm. that are both baseball personalities. This is Mike G I A N Ella uh, of Baseball Prospectus, not Mike J Anella of uh, various San Diego Padres related productions. Uh, Mike G Anella wants to know <laughs> okay. what's your favorite fruit? Fruit. Fruit. It's a food question that is Hamel appropriate. Um. Oh God, I don't really think so deeply about this. I know that I hate bananas. How do you hate bananas? I hate bananas. Why? Be uh, because they're incredible. They're, no, and I, we have this like Slack debate discussion fight. Like I would say once every six months. So, I don't think I've ever but, heard you say you hate bananas though. Oh no, I hate bananas. I. It is um like the smell and the texture and everything. I don't really know if I have a favorite fruit, um, but I will say that I'm very particular, as in all areas of my life, about how I eat fruit. To me, the fruit has to practically be raw before I'll, I'll eat it. Like any, even on the, even if it's like on a shit, like forget it, overripe. I'm not touching it. I agree but with that. I agree with that. I'm definitely, I definitely side towards right, underripe. Yeah, I always go underripe. Like I don't want anything to be mushy when I eat it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I may. Oh God, I can't even think of it. Berries. I will is say there my sister. Berry? I like blueberries. I like strawberries. My sister, as you know, is very um, involved in what I eat because she makes all our food. And so she's, your favorite you know, fruit a, is whatever your sister brings home. What, not even the, not even whatever she brings home. Whatever she cuts and puts in front of me and says, <laughs> "Please eat this." <laughs> Uh, like Hamel, it's time for you to we, eat something healthy. Here's we we have slices. a they our family's really big on fruit. Um, we're not big on desserts, so fruit has always been like what we eat after dinner. Like that's always been our dessert. That is actually um, sensible and good for you. That's good. I know it's so dumb though, right? Because no, it's it's super smart. You should eat fruit. I eat cake. It's bad for me. I know it's bad for you, but for but it's definitely um, it's definitely no fun because it's like, oh, well, here's a big bowl of papaya. Enjoy. Uh, yeah, so I think for me, favorite fruit, like, I like, I would say that there are two separate categories for fruit for me, and mm-hmm. it, it boils down to, like, there's the convenient fruit, 
and for convenient fruit, like, banana is top-notch. It comes with its own wrapper. Like, that's incredible. It gets kind of gross if you, like, put it in your bag and bring it to work because then it gets brown. But it's still kind of good. And, I don't know, they're just, it's so easy to have bananas. Uh, so, so is that your favorite? No. Um, okay. because I, like, I like the taste of banana okay. Uh, I find that, uh, bananas, unlike, uh, some, some fruits are so sweet that they actually kind of give me a stomach ache, and, like, mm. uh, like, an apple on an empty stomach will make my stomach hurt, uh, even oh. though an apple is also convenient. Uh, and, so, I think that my favorite fruit are probably berries of some sort, and I'm gonna mm-hmm. go, I'm gonna throw a bone to blackberries, which I feel like are an Ooh. underrated berry and a very good berry. Yes. Oh, I, I'll, I'll go with that one. I love blackberries. That that might be blackberries and blueberries are probably um, the ones that I'll eat most. Really good fruits, uh, good texture things where they're never really, like, gross. Blueberries will get gross and mushy. Blackberries, by the time they get gross and mushy, you're throwing them out. Yeah, blackberries, you're, you kind of, I feel like for berries, there's a very small window of consumption. You got, like, one or two days, and you got to eat them all. Uh, um, a shame, a shamed Lou, uh, with multiple <laughs> U's, uh, at I, I Lewis O, uh, who I should say is like someone who tends to make me feel better about myself if I've made a bad joke on Twitter and <laughs> no one is retweeting it. I feel like a shamed Lou will often throw like a pity retweet at a yeah, bad joke. Yeah, the pity RT Um, so I appreciate that. Uh, Lou wants to know, uh... Please give us your thoughts on whether or not you think Major League Baseball juiced the baseballs after the All-Star break of 2015 to increase home runs. Do you have a take on this? I don't have a take on it, but um, I'm going to – you know what I want to do? I want to try to guess your answer. So I'm going to say yes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to predict that you say yes. I kind of – I don't know. I'm on the fence on this one. It seems it's so – it's such a conspiratorial thing that right. it seems crazy to be like, yeah, of course, like, Major League Baseball could pull this off. Like, let's just switch the baseballs so there are more home runs and, and we court more millennial interest, and we'll do mm-hmm. it right at the All-Star break at 2015, and that'll be the only thing that we change, and then all of a sudden, there are just way more home runs, because there are way more home runs being hit, especially this year, than there were just a couple of years ago. So right. something is happening, and I'm not so... I feel like it would be foolish to dismiss out of hand the idea that there was some sort of change in equipment that has been uh, in the past that has often been the explanation for strange uh, statistical anomalies and oddities and trends inside baseball, right? 1920 was the end of the dead ball era, and they, they refer to it as the live ball, but what really changed was they started refreshing the balls multiple times a game, so batters could see them better, and uh, they, they were less scuffed up. So I, I wouldn't be shocked. I think it's a big but thing. But what to, kind of what I, kind of juicing would they do? Um, so you would just, it, it, I mean, it wouldn't. There's no actual like juice in the ball, right? Okay, uh, yeah, it would just I be a matter of tightening tightening the way the ball is round. And from my mm-hmm. understanding, the there's like a, a set of specifications that the baseball needs to be, and it's a fairly broad set of specifications. So it could still be a legal baseball and be like you know, 5% tighter wound or something like, I don't quote right. me on that number, but it's something like that where it's like, well, it doesn't look like a big difference when you see it spelled out on paper for the specs, but it's enough of a difference that they could do it. It would still be a legal baseball and there would be nothing to say like, oh, well, they've changed the rules here, but it could be a significantly different baseball in how it plays. And it, I, 
I don't know. I'm I I go back and forth because it seems like such a big thing to pull off with no one saying anything about it and no one leaking anything about it at this point in 2017 for that to mm-hmm. not get out that someone in the league was like, yeah, juice the baseballs. Uh, but at the same time, I don't understand a better reason why guys are hitting all these home runs. There is a change of approach. I get that. I can't imagine it's responsible for this type of uptick. And so I don't want it to be that there's new some sort of new wonder drug they can't test for that every single guy is on. So since I'm rooting against that outcome, I'll say I kind of believe, and based on a bunch of home runs I've seen this year, and maybe that's confirmation bias, but it feels like sometimes you see a ball get hit and you're like, there's no way that should be a home run, and then it's a home run. And that, to me, makes me kind of feel like, yeah, the ball is a little bit different. I Yeah, I think that's a very fair and balanced take, unfortunately. There's no there's no outright conspiracy, but there does seem to be a little bit of meddling. Um, yeah, I, that's, that's kind of what I would get. Like, if it was like, hey, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, what if you tighten right. up the baseballs a little bit? And it was like a one-on-one conversation somewhere. That's the only mm-hmm. way it doesn't get out. Um, mm-hmm. But baseball's denying it, and pitchers everywhere are in, are like insisting it's the case so we're we'll hear a lot more about that moving forward charles has a question that i think you're better suited to answer than me okay let's let's go with charles um charles wants to know what do you make of 444 as a response to lemonade if it is that how weird is it that jay-z and beyonce are doing this publicly in album form oh boy that is a very good question um. Wait. Okay. So the first part is, what do I make of four forty four? Do you think it's a response to lemonade? It is a hundred percent a response to lemonade, and I will say I actually have not heard four forty four because I don't want to subscribe to title. I have the same problem. I was I was going to bring that up. I yeah. it made it impossible. It was like and it was like even the the free playing thing. I couldn't even log it. You, you know, I was willing to log into title with Facebook, right? And right. listen to it, and it wouldn't do it. It was like and it wouldn't error. do it. And so yeah. I could only listen to the first thirty seconds of all the songs. I'm not signing up for title, and I'm not signing up for title through Twitter, which would then let title tweet for me, which I don't want to happen. Yeah, there was there's so many um, there's so many reasons for me not to download it through title, which you basically summed up. But what I have done is read all the content around 444. So there's very specific, like, line-by-line breakdowns that a lot of people stayed up all night last night to to read and respond to. Um, and the best line that everybody's quoting is that Jay-Z is like, you know, that he almost pulled an Eric Benet and uh, lost, like, the best girl in the world or something like that, which is a reference to um, Berry, Eric Benet. Right? Yeah, Halle Berry. Like, yeah. he went out and they cheated on her and then they broke up. Uh, so, yeah, it is 100% a response to Lemonade. And I think that it is actually, it's not weird. I mean, it is a little bit of weird, but I think it's incredibly, incredibly smart what they have both done. They're making because, money off it, right? Well, 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 not just that they're making money off of it, but like they're, you know, I think they're just so savvy about it that they understood that one, this was going to come out anyway, right? Like at some point, uh, his indiscretions and infidelity, whatever happened was, you know, the rumors were already circulating. So they were like, okay, we can either just address this with like a lame PR statement. That is, um, this is what happened or it didn't happen. And then people kind of forget about it and they move on from there. But they both took the event, which probably must've been like a huge deal for them and turned it into really meaningful art because lemonade is phenomenal. Right. And it's, 
whether it's her channeling her personal pain and aggression and feelings of heartbreak and subsequent empowerment, it became a huge thing for a lot of women everywhere. So I think that that's the point of art, right, is to take personal experience and translate it into something bigger and better. Um, so I, I think it's awesome. Um, Lemonade, I love 444. Eventually, at some point, I hope to hear it. Um, I don't think it's weird at all. I think it's incredibly smart. And it made them both a boatload of money. And what it did for Beyonce, especially, was turned her from just like a pop art, not even a pop artist, but like she was hugely phenomenally successful, but she wasn't seen as very political, right? And it made her this almost like feminine, uh, feminist icon, even yeah. more so than she already is. Yeah, I think you, I think you nailed it. I mean, I think that I was going to say just that in both cases, it's them sort of being able to control the message in a way that mm-hmm. like just tabloid stories obviously wouldn't. And right. they both, from what I, you know, from from what I know of Lemonade, and from what I have read and the thirty second snippets I heard of four forty four. I mean, it does kind of seem like they both have, like, fairly reasonable approaches to their relationship and, like, right? understanding. Like, it, 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 they both come off as, like, very mature, like, a full, mm-hmm. filled with, like, mature real-world thoughts and, and circumstances and decisions and all those things. And, yeah, like you said, like, that is, like, taking this – I mean, that's, that's what all art is, right, is you're channeling your personal experiences into your music or your painting or whatever it is. And right. uh, these, these come off – as, and, and who knows what to what extent they are, right? Like, if you're cynical, right. you could say, like, oh, maybe never, none of it ever happened, and this is all just a setup to make these two albums. Fine, whatever it is, they come off as, like, very honest and genuine albums. They really do. And I think that it's also super interesting. Um, I am not married, but it also kind of... Um, just not only destroys the myth, but really puts in just a very grown up, like you said, a grown up perspective on marriage can be hard, right? Like these are two of the most famous, popular people in the entire world. And even for them, there are difficulties and things that they have to get through, which uh, you're never, you know what I mean? Like you're married to Beyonce and he still wanted to cheat on her. I mean, come on. It's... Yeah, no. I mean, I, I I have a very good marriage, so like I don't yeah. I don't can't put myself in in that situation. I'm also not Jay Z, and I'm not married to Beyonce, so we have a very oh, different right. life. You know, it's a very <laughs> different lifestyle for me and my right. wife. But like, yeah, I mean, there are definitely moments of everyone's marriage. I think that makes you want to go, you know, beat a car to death with a baseball it's, bat and I, knock it's over just the about yeah. conflict, right? Like, it's just about like there was like, it's about conflict. It's not even like you are thinking about cheating on your wife and that's why this relates to you um but it's two grown-ups who are handled what could have uh, um turned into just like trashy tabloid fodder in like an incredible way that is like artistically genuine but also made them both a boatload of money yeah i guess to me i guess the thing is to me that it's always weird when celebrities like break up and they have to put out like a press release about Mm -hmm. it but I guess in their case, right, like, they are so big that it's getting covered one way or the other. What mm-hmm. Every single aspect of their, right? Like, we all know about Solange flipping out on, on Jay-Z in the elevator. We all saw it, right? So, right? so every aspect of their relationship is getting covered. You might as well make it, you know, like, here's my side and put it out and, yeah. and then profit off it as well. And I will say Solange flipping out on Jay-Z in the elevator is... Uh, one of the best things that I've ever seen. It, I mean, it literally is a 
I mean, if somebody did that to my sister, yeah, I would beat his ass in an elevator as well. Like Damn. it is, yeah, it was a very credible, genuine moment that because Beyonce is like, I, I, yeah, let her go for it. You know, like she barely, she doesn't even intervene. She's like, this is for you guys to work out. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a, uh, it's. I don't know. I'm, I'm like I guess I'm I'm just like more. I I, I would say like I, I don't know. Like I'm more apt to put myself in Jay Z's shoes. Not that I'm in ever been in that situation, but I'm like you know like hey like he just kind of took it and like sat right like that's kind of the right way to play that one. It's just like yeah, yeah he really, let this he woman like beat the crap out of me. It's just like as best he could. Yeah, just yes. like kind of go fetal and like let this woman beat the crap out of me. Just gotta couldn't bear this one. Um, but this, and, and this is the right thing for Jay-Z too as well, right? Because he comes, he basically comes out and takes responsibility for what he did versus keep like continuing with denial, denial, denial. Um, and whenever, and that just kind of makes you look even sleazier, right? So. I, I think that's spot on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, are you hiring? Do you know where to post your job to find the best candidates? Uh, with ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites with just one click. Then their powerful technology efficiently matches the right people to your job better than anyone else. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. No juggling emails or calls to your office. Simply screen, rate, and manage candidates all in one place with ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use dashboard. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. And right now, For the Win listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash For the Win. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash For the Win. One more time, try it for free at ZipRecruiter. I'm sorry, ZipRecruiter.com slash For the Win. Hemel, we got more. Uh, We got two questions on one topic. Um, Okay. And I don't know if you saw it, but uh, at at Derpy Mets wants to know why we're putting exposed electrical boxes on the field. Um, And Mark 20, Mark with some number at the end, uh, which I forgot, wants to know if Yankees outfielder Dustin Fowler for getting hurt in his first major league inning is now forever known as injury prone. Uh, He's kidding. Uh, But... So, so I don't know if you saw this. So there's you, an- yeah, you got to give me some context for this so, because I don't. I have after no idea a what long, any of these are about. after a long rain delay in Chicago last night, a Yankees outfielder named Dustin Fowler, uh, not a huge prospect, kind of a uh, he was an 18th round draft pick, played his way up through the system, made his major league debut playing in right field. Uh, in the he was he was due up in the next inning. He didn't have an at bat uh, before he even got an at bat. He uh, crashed. He went sort of full speed, chasing down a foul ball, and he crashed mm-hmm. full speed into the wall. And I guess a section of the wall that was not padded. There was like a small part that was not padded because it was an electrical box. Uh, he had a devastating knee injury. It was a tough thing to watch because it, it kind of looked like from his face like he was a little bit in shock. He sort of like stepped away tentatively and then he collapsed and he kind of just sat there with like a blank expression on his face. Joe Girardi, the Yankees manager, was crying a little bit, which is a, a tough thing to see. And he, and he like was 
just choked. Yeah. Uh, he's an emotional guy, Girardi, but, uh, but he did also sort of choke up uh, after the game talking about it because it's a, I mean, it's a brutal thing. This guy was, had, you know, been four years in the minor leagues or something, which isn't the longest time in the world, but he worked really hard, obviously, to make yeah. a major league debut. Uh, his parents didn't get a chance to see him yet. They were going to see the team in, in Houston on this same road trip, and instead, before he even gets a one at bat in the majors, he's out for the season, and it, uh, I don't know, I, you know, I don't know the extent of the injury, and obviously I'm not his doctor, but it sounds like there's some chance, like, maybe this guy doesn't get another chance to play, uh, who knows, you know, but, uh, it was a rough one. It was a rough one to watch. I don't really have a take on oh, it. Oh, that is, that is very, you know what, the, it, that's just like, that's just tragic. It's yeah, so sad. Yeah, and I'll say, I mean, as to the electrical box thing, like, and I've, I've, I've fretted about these things before, because sometimes you'll see something, um, you'll see a play like this one, or, um, there's one, Back in the day, I think it was in Philadelphia, Aaron Rowland, who was a center fielder, uh, went head on into the wall and he hit a part of the wall that was, for whatever reason, chain link fence, right? Like most mm-hmm. of the outfield wall is always padded and he hit the chain link fence part with his face and was seriously messed up. I think he had a concussion. Uh, and so, like, th- th- it's a thing that happens sometimes. But, I mean, to be fair, I've never heard of a guy running into this particular electrical box at, at the White Sox Stadium before. It's kind of a freak thing, and if if you look at the way yeah. he, he went into it, he kind of and like I don't want to put the injury on the guy because it sucks. It obviously sucks. He ran full speed into the wall. Like it's it's the type of thing that I kind of feel like you might do in the first inning of your first major league game, and then never again. Uh, and that's why the circumstances are so unfortunate because he was hustling so much, you know, for right. like a, for a ball. I don't think he was going to get one way or the other, and so. I think that a more veteran player is never going full speed into the wall there because they're not trying so hard to prove they belong. And so that's part of what makes it so sad, really, is like, ah, if he was just like, if he's just a little more chill probably doesn't happen um i don't know there's but there are things like there have been guys who twisted their anklers ankles on sprinklers and and all these things and you say like well why they should pad that they should grass that over they should i mean there's always going to be something there's always going to be something i and i think that what is harder for people to in situations like this right they always want to have something to blame or something Mm -hmm. to control to be like well it's you know they need to cover all these things so this will never happen again or or they need to make sure all the walls are padded or something like that when really what the case here is that it's just freakish random bad luck combined with a little bit of inexperience that you know is just a part of life like it's just tremendously tremendously heartbreaking for this poor kid who worked so hard to try to get up here and then circumstances primarily kind of beyond his control like yes if he'd had more experience but he was just trying so hard right, right. he wasn't doing anything wrong by any he wasn't stretch, doing yeah. anything wrong by any means um but it isn't fair to it's not fair to blame him at all but it's also not fair to kind of blame the equipment because it's just circumstances that went awry and that's what people have the hardest time kind of accepting is that it is. And this is, again, a great Beyonce quote, which is that you can try your hardest, but sometimes you're still going to lose. Like there's just nothing to be done about it, which is which is what's so sad. Yeah. I mean, I think that for me, like a lot of why I like baseball is like that it helps you yeah. come to grips with the fact that like sometimes you just get terrible luck like sometimes that just happens and you kind of just have to accept it and not be like oh it was this fault or this fault or this fault yeah just be like oh that sucks like that totally sucks the Um, universe is just cruel and random sometimes everything is terrible 
And you never know when it's going to visit that cruel randomness on you, unfortunately. Dennis has a podcast, wants to know. <laughs> if... Super bright and uplifting take. Yeah, um, <laughs> Dennis, who's at DHAP Show on Twitter, wants to know if John Stamos is more attractive now than when Full House started 30 years ago. Uh, 100% yes. I feel but like I'm also I kinda, older. I kind of feel like yes, too. I, I, don't, I can't, it's weird to think back on it. And, like, because I do remember that cool guys had that haircut, but it's so hard to imagine a world in which that haircut was something that was considered attractive. Well, I was a huge Full House fan growing up, and I remember, um, I, I still was never really into John Stamos, so, but... You were more of a Bob Saget girl. Uh, yeah, that was, that was definitely me. <laughs> I don't remember. I think, um... I don't. I, I just don't ever remember being on the John Stamos bandwagon, even when he was like at the height of his popularity. Uh, but I think he's much more. He has now. aged really well, right? He like, I will say that. So like, well. that, that guy has not because because sometimes you're like, oh, well, this person like looks pretty good. But they've obviously had, like you can't see. Maybe John Stamos had work done. I don't know. But if he has, right. I want the name of his guy because that right. was that was good work. He looks like he's aged naturally. And he looks great. He looks great. He's in great shape. He, he's yeah. a good-looking man. He's a good. He's, he's that's a handsome dude. What does does Dennis have a frame of reference for this question, or was he just thinking about John Stamos? I have no idea. I have no <laughs> okay. idea why he asked us this, but I would say I think we're both on the same page. I think I think he has aged really well. I'd say yeah. I can't say for sure. Because, like, I know, like, my wife was super into Uncle Jesse as, like, a hot guy, and he was supposed to be a hot guy. It's so, I mean, you remember that haircut? Like, people had that haircut. That's nuts. Yeah, but it was nuts, but it is, I mean, I'm looking back on it, and I definitely don't, I, I, don't, I didn't think he wasn't attractive. I think that he was at that, I was at a weird age where he was too old for me to have a crush on, right? Right, and whereas you're so more into, like... Candace yeah. Cameron's boyfriends that were exactly show, like you were that. you were definitely more into like like me and she was me dating. and Sabrina the teenage witch <laughs> yeah um, or no who is uh, that? that who's that actress uh, that's uh, Melissa Sarah? Joan Hart oh Melissa Joan Hart right. Sarah Michelle Gellar is Buffy right yeah yeah okay um, right and, and she, right. she was also Cl- Clarissa explains the all, it all which was like my first childhood love interest. <laughs> um, on Nickelodeon. Uh, so yes, yeah, so, so we're we're on the same page. Stamos hotter now. Uh, at Maggie one sixty two, Maggie Wigan wants to know how many times a season do you think of the small sample size song, and how does it feel to have that as your greatest legacy? Are you aware of my small sample size song? I tweeted it. A lot. You you tweet it a lot. You probably don't and watch I think it. We've actually. Yeah, I haven't watched it, though. I think that maybe I thought about watching it once, but then I never did. It's, so. I mean, you would join 76,000 other people who have, or the 76,000 views of this song on YouTube. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's my greatest legacy. I'd like to feel like my greatest legacy is yet to come. But if that's what I Agreed. leave behind, then that's all right. I mean, it's. I think it's pretty funny. It, it makes me chuckle, and I think about it all the time because I see the smartest baseball writers write things that are like in the last five games this has happened and it's like no it's pointless that's not worth even talking about and they still talk about it and so it makes me sing the small sample size song and I'm cool with that do you want to sing it for us now no Um, (laughs) you can just you can just google small sample size song Ted Berg it will come up Uh, it's it's not my own song it's it's uh, 
Bizet's Carmen, uh, the Toreador song. It's just me singing small sample size over that. Uh, it was a really weird day at the SNY studios when I recorded that because it was like totally rogue, like me and one guy from the promos department who made it. And so like I was just belting like you can hear i'm singing pretty loud and i was just belting in like the little promo studios they had and it turned out everyone in the newsroom could hear me uh and so that was a little bit humiliating whatever uh i'm good with it i would say so people always like people always ask if it's uh, someone followed up with a question like is is it that uh is my greatest legacy that uh my jack-in-the-box commercial i was in my Ooh. hair uh, or my uh, my archive of embarrassing photos of Cole Hamels, and you know what? Like if that's if that's what I leave behind, I'm good with that. God, this has me thinking about what my internet legacy might be. And uh, have I'm not you really collected sure that... any embarrassing photos of Cole Hamels? No, I have. I have not. No, I know that you're well known for those for sure. I um, want to talk to Cole Hamels about them, but I have yet to have the opportunity, which is. Do you think he he will ever ever agree to that? I kind of do. I kind of in the process of collecting them, I got the sense that he doesn't actually take himself all that seriously. So, yeah. And like, and at one point, like his people from his publicity team started like following me and sending stuff about his charity. So like, I I got a feeling like that if he's seen it, he has a decent sense of humor about it. Uh, I think that the only thing that I might have left behind for hockey fans is a. From from NHL All Star Game in Nashville, I had this like like a reporter's like worst case scenario that my phone died right when I was getting one of the best interviews I've ever gotten in my entire life. So I had to write it from memory versus having the video of it. But the only video I had, I had managed to make into this GIF, and it's like two players talking to each other. But to this day, and that All-Star game was about two years ago, like I would say once every three days, somebody still faves that tweet. Like I still get a notification about like a three-year-old tweet. That's because, pretty good. Yeah, people love that gif so, so much. Um, so that that might be the only thing that, that I've left behind. <laughs> uh, well, what about the last like 40 episodes of this podcast or whatever? Oh, that's true. I, I, is that my greatest legacy? I feel I like, yeah, so, someday though. someone will look back on these and be like, this is <laughs> art. And let's like just put these podcasts. They'll have like a separate room for these in the MoMA, where you just go in and and you're engulfed. And by you the can podcast. just listen listen yeah. to it. So, I agree. Um, last question comes from our coworker Maggie, uh, and it's topical because it's Friday and tomorrow begins or today begins the Fourth of July weekend or the extended mm. weekend. Uh, I will be working Monday and Tuesday, so it doesn't really make that big of a difference for me. But yeah, I will cool. be working Monday and Tuesday as well. So. Um, all right, well we'll talk. Uh, we'll talk then but uh <laughs> maggie wants to know our coworker maggie hendrix wants to know do you prefer going to a big public fireworks show or the thrill that comes with shooting off your own less impressive but more dangerous and possibly illegal depending on where you <laughs> live fireworks um i 100 percent like shooting my own fireworks off in the yard that the the moment that little bit of adrenaline you get when you light a firework and then have to backpedal very quickly is the best part of 4th of July for me. I would say that that feeling is <laughs> like if you could bottle that, I would snort it seven times a day. 
because it is the best feeling I know. Right? Is when you light the when because you know the, the the firework wick they have like they send off the little sparks and like when you see it yeah. take and then you're like oh god get away that get is away. the most amazing feeling there is and it just like I like I never run away from the firework not like smiling from ear to ear you're about to blow something up it's totally cool I I like I like big public fireworks displays too they're great they're super yeah. pretty they do cool things with fireworks nothing compares to lighting off your own fireworks especially when they're illegal a hundred percent uh are you in new york are they illegal in new york totally illegal in new york totally like oh what um yeah i mean they might sell like now they might sell like they have like little stupid like send up showers of sparks Mm -hmm. glorified sparkler things but not like i mean virginia you can get people but people do them anywhere they don't do them oh yeah people still do them not in the city so much like in the city like you kind of have to um Mm -hmm. like it's it's tough to pull off, you know, like there's just too much crowds and cars and stuff. It's like, you might actually endanger people. But, um, I mean, I grew up in the suburbs where we would light off fireworks constantly. Uh, that was like the challenge was getting the fireworks. It used to be, you could just come to Chinatown in New York city and buy fireworks. Uh, Mm -hmm. there'd be like people selling them on blankets on the corner. That is no longer the case. Uh, so now, like, you have to go, you have to drive to Pennsylvania or something for fireworks. Oh, gosh, that's not worth it. But no. last July 4th, I was in your territory, and where you are, it's like there's just a new pop-up fireworks stand on every corner. Well, in Virginia, yeah, it's totally legal. I think it's not legal in Maryland, so people come into Virginia to buy fireworks. It's also, I think, not legal in D.C., but again, Virginia, it's totally legal, so you can buy tons and tons and tons of very expensive fireworks. Well, but you're, um, res- you're restricted to ones – they don't shoot stuff up in the air. They, like, they just shoot straight out of the firework. Uh, yeah, there's nothing that like launches something in the air and then explodes. Right. But I've still seen people do those. Well, yeah. My, we, so our tradition for the past several years is – you know I have two little nieces. Um, we generally get together at – uh, my uncle's house, but because now they have grandkids, they go way, way overboard on fireworks and they get like two massive cases Amazing. of fireworks. So by the end of it, like the kids are exhausted. They just want to go to sleep, but the adults are just running around trying to blow up as much stuff as possible. Like it's, it's so fun. <laughs> Last year I was in, like I said, I was at a wedding and like, I don't know, I guess my friends all kind of know my reputation. Like I, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I'm, that's, uh, that's understating it. My friends all know that I am just a huge pyromaniac, like a, <laughs> like a problem-level pyromaniac. And, uh, and so I think everyone was kind of expecting it of me. And, and needless to say, I showed up at this wedding on July 4th with just like a whole trunk load of, of fireworks that I bought in those stores around Virginia. And we had a nice little show in the parking lot. It was fun. That's really good. One I've time, gotten... Yeah, well, I've, Go ahead. I, one time, uh, I don't know how we came into all these fireworks, but, like, the dudes I was in a band with, like, two of us independently came into a ton of fireworks, and we went up to Vermont, and we got, like, seven people to all light off fireworks simultaneously and, like, put on our own fireworks spectacular. That was fun. I, I like fireworks a lot. It's a thing I, I have. <laughs> are you going to... I feel... Now I feel bad that maybe you won't be blowing up some fireworks on the 4th of July. I almost certainly won't, and it'll be sad, but I oh. will... But I almost always seize... So whenever I'm in, like, a fireworks place, 
I mm-hmm. wind up buying fireworks and like driving out and do an empty field somewhere and lighting them off. Like even if it's just like me and my wife, like I'll just be like, <laughs> oh, we're gonna get some fireworks and then we're gonna like drive out into the country and set off some of the fireworks. We're just gonna find some parking lot somewhere. Uh, so I, it will happen. Like I, I'm not. It, I don't need it to be the Fourth of July to enjoy fireworks. So true. Probably true, later very, in the summer, I yeah. will be somewhere and I'll see some fireworks. And I'll buy them and I'll blow them up. Well, now I know what to get you if I ever wanted to get you a gift. Oh, yes. That would be <laughs> like, yeah, like, there's no chance I even, if I'm in like driving through South Carolina, there's a 0% chance I will like go into the gas station and not come out with like $50 worth of fireworks. <laughs> um, it um, is, yeah, it, I, it's, a long, it's a long and storied history for me and fireworks. Well, it's a shame that you won't be able to celebrate it, but I'll set a couple off for you uh, this weekend. Yeah, please do. And uh, and thanks, as always, for, for joining the show. Enjoy the weekend. Absolutely. Thanks, Ted. You can check out the For the Win podcast on iTunes, on Stitcher, on SoundCloud. Check out Hemel and myself, both writing at ForTheWinFTW.USAToday.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy your weekend. Hemel, peace out. Peace out, Ted. <laughs>